Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You bet Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. News-making interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal each and every week. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. As I tell you guys each and every week, and i got to tell you this, i got to remind you of this, that everything you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, all the interviews originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, on Sirius XM Channel 103 Faction Talk, or anytime on the SiriusXM app. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and you have SiriusXM, please join me each and every day live, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific. And if you can't listen in that window, that's okay because the full shows are archived and you, you can listen to them whenever you want on demand as well on the app. Also got the show on Mondays on Hair Nation with music and talk. That is uh, 5 to 8 Eastern on 39. Six live shows a week on SiriusXM. If you only listen to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny, tiny taste of what I do on the radio each and every day. And you can also get SiriusXM, if you don't have it already, for free. Yes, I said free for three months. All you got to do is go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. No credit card required. Sign up and sample for three months and you can hear the full show and join us each and every day to engage with us in rock talk and conversations. Follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter or X, Instagram and Facebook page. Upcoming appearances, February 16th, I'll be in Norco, California, being joined by Phil X of Bon Jovi for a speaking show at Rockstars of Tomorrow. February 17th, I'm in Long Beach, California at the Gas Lamp with some great uh, tribute bands opening up for me. And again, that should be a lot of fun. The Gas Lamp in Long Beach, that's February 17th. Tickets for both are on sale now. Hope to see you if you're in Southern California or near those areas. NorCoCal, which is uh, near Riverside, I'm told. And also Long Beach, which is beautiful. I'm looking forward to being out there. So those are the next gigs for me, speaking gigs. Hope you come out and join me again if you're in that area of the country. EddieTrunk.com is my website for updates and info on everything I have going on as well in terms of appearances. They're right there on the homepage. Check out the merch page up there as well. All right, this week we've got uh, two great interviews for you. We're going to start with Vince Neal of Motley Crue, and we're going to follow it with Scott Stapp of Creed. Two lead singers, of course, from their respective bands. And I'll give you the backstory real quickly on each. So this interview with Vince that you're about to hear took place a couple weeks ago at the music festival that I host in Key West, Florida, called Rock Island. Now, Vince was not performing on Rock Island. 
He was just there hanging out, and he didn't even know, as you're about to hear, a music event was happening. Vince lives in Nashville, told me it was real cold there. He decided to get into the sun a little bit, go to Florida, and found out there was a music festival happened, and he came by to check it all out. And he hung out at uh, Rock Island for a couple days. We hung out for a while, actually, and it was good to see him. He looks good, seemed in great spirits, and um, I said to him, on a Thursday, I said, hey, Vince, I'm doing my radio show from backstage every afternoon. Will you come back and come on the show? He said he would, and he did. And I really appreciate him doing that because obviously in the middle of the day in Florida, there's a lot you could be doing, but he was willing to come hang with me for a half an hour in my trailer and have a conversation, which you're about to hear. And the really cool thing about this conversation is there was no agenda. We were just, we were just talking. And he told a great story about scalping or bootlegging concert shirts as a kid uh, how david lee roth kind of took him under his wing it's kind of a little different you know vibe here from vince just just hanging out and john five calls in who of course is now his bandmate in motley crew so this was a lot of fun i think you're going to enjoy it we'll lead with vince neal just a couple weeks ago this took place and when you think about it you really don't hear from vince all that often in terms of um you know, uh, interviews. He really doesn't do much. It's mostly, you know, Nikki that does the, the talking for the most part for Motley. So it was cool to spend some time with Vince, and we'll get that to you first. Second, Scott Stapp. He's got a new album out called Higher Power or about to come out. And, of course, a huge reunion with Creed that is coming very soon, including amphitheater shows this summer and two sold-out cruises, which I will be a co-host on both of them. So it was good to talk to Scott. I have not talked to him for a while. He sounds like he's in a very good place, which is great to hear. And uh, you guys will enjoy that one as well. So two big interviews for you this week on the podcast. Vince Neal, followed by Scott Stapp. We'll start in sunny Key West, Florida, with the lead singer of Motley Crue on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Backstage at Rock Island, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm just hanging out. This guy's not on the bill. I turn around, I run, literally run into him. I was, he was supposed to be here last year. He didn't make it, and uh, he's just here hanging out, and it's uh, awesome to see him, and I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your day to sit with me here in this trailer backstage <laughs> when you could be doing anything else here in Key West. Vince Neal is here. Good All to see right. you, bro. Hey, good to see you too, bro. Yeah, man. So you didn't even know this was happening, you no, told me last I had, night. I had no idea. <laughs> and... Uh, I, we we showed up and we seen all these rockers out wandering around the streets and stuff and uh, I'm going what's going on here? These people said it's, it's the uh, Rock Island uh, concert. And I'm like well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then you said, well, who's playing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I I got a thing. Um, so he emailed me emailed me the uh, uh, the, the flyer the flyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, this guy's playing. This guy's playing. And, you were supposed to do it last year. You, yeah. your solo band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposed to, but I got I had to come down with COVID. Yeah, and uh, I remember that yeah. last minute they kind of had to sub you out, if I remember exactly. Yeah. So what did you um? What, what last night you were watching Felder? Yeah, yeah. What he's were great. your thoughts? Uh, he's just great. You yeah. know, um, I played with him a few times before, and um, he's he's hey he's got the re- the repertoire. You know, he's got all the songs, and you you're sitting here watching him, and you're going. Why is this guy just you know? This is the the Eagles. You know, right. It's all Eagles songs, and and it's it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to 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 hear him sing those play those, sing those songs. Because you know, I was sitting there, and I, when I first saw this on the bill, I was like, Don Felder sitting between. 
Tom Kiefer doing Cinderella tunes and L.A. Guns, that's going to be like a – he comes out there and starts playing Take It Easy or one of these nights. Yeah. That's going to be a different tone, you know? I didn't know if it was going to work, but like we were talking last night when we were watching, when you you got songs like that that everybody knows, yeah. they're just going to, you know, they're great songs are great songs no exactly. matter what. Exactly. It's always going to work. Yeah, it, it definitely worked too. The crowd was great last night. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he did great. It was, it was cool. So you were saying you, you wanted to come to Florida because you live in Nashville. You guys are getting zonked with oh, weather, yeah. right? yeah. It was like two below when I left. And um, I say, we, the snow is just, you know. When, it, when, when uh, Nashville gets a little bit of snow, the city shuts down. You know, it's not like, you know, if you lived in Boston or, or something like that, where it all snows all the time, right? you know, up there. And and um, just, a little, you know, it had a, a foot of snow and just shut the whole city down. Yeah. And I just go, let's get on the plane and get out of here. So you got out under the wire, though, right? Yeah. As far as the, what was going on to be, even be able to get here with yes. the weather. Yeah, we, we hit a, um, because the, the uh, runways were so iced up. And um, uh, we we couldn't get out until until yesterday, and then snow came again last night. And now it's the, the runways are all messed up down there in uh, in Nashville. And um, yeah, so we're gonna stay until it gets uh, at least out of the zeros, the, out not? of the teens. You yeah, know? can't beat this. Even though today's not a great weather day, it's a, yeah, it beats it, that for it, sure. It beats it absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, man, how are things? Um, how have things been going with Motley? I mean, since this whole thing ramped up again, um, you guys have been out there. I know you got some scattered shows announced this year. How how you feeling about everything in the Motley camp? Uh, everything's great. Uh, the tour sounds like going to be a lot of fun, a lot of uh, festivals, mm -hmm. you know, and. Um, so I'm looking forward to going out. We started up in uh, May, and we end in uh, October. When the whole, th I mean, you, for many people know, you are super active as a solo artist as yeah. well. You play a ton of shows with your own band. I know all those guys, uh, Dana, Blando, Zolt, I mean, yeah. great people. I love those guys. Yeah. And I love your solo shows, and you and I have done so much together with those solo shows, whether private gigs or public or whatever. Yeah. When the idea was presented to you to do Motley again and to reunite, initially it was for the stadium tour, we, no, but not a lot of people have heard from you. What were your thoughts about it? Like, were you immediately all in, or were you hesitant because of the whole retirement thing? You know, how did you feel about it? Uh, I, I, we sat around for what five years without doing anything. I mean, I, I was always um, um, with my solo band, but um, I thought it'd be fun. I was, I was in. You know, I was in with. with the, they said, "Okay, we're going to get together and do some stadiums," and um, I was like, "Okay, that sounds pretty cool." You know, and. Uh, a stadium tour was uh, just got us out to more people, you know, and, and uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Did you feel like coming off the dirt and the movie that it was inevitable that Motley would start up again, given the movie and the success of the movie? I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about Motley at all. Um, I, I thought the movie was great, you know, and a lot of people liked it. And um, I guess it was inevitable, you know, because you, you get – so many fans watching movies and, you know, at the stadiums, you can tell because there's like, um, you know, kids with their dads and their grandpas, you know, and um, you young kid like six, seven, eight years old to to 68 years old. You know? Right. Different generations. Yeah, that generations. Came on board. Yeah. yeah. So is it, it, you definitely saw a lot of that people bringing their kids yeah. and like getting yeah. a chance because I see that. I mean, you know, I'm 
I'm 59. We're around the same age, grew up with the same stuff. And you go to shows now, even even if it's not your show, you look out in the crowd, and if the band's been around 40 years or so, you see that. You see that, yeah. Even it's, here, I saw a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's, yeah. it's good to see those little kids out there and doing the devil horns and stuff. <laughs> the new generation of rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the stadium tour, I mean, obviously that was with Leopard and Poison. Did you get to hang with those guys much? Did you get much interaction with the other bands on uh, that or no? With Def Leopard, we did. Yeah. Um, well, you did a lot with them since then, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did, we did, uh, after the stadium, we did, uh, you know, South America, um, Australia, um, Japan, and um, uh, most of Europe. You know, yeah. It was, it, was, uh, it was cool. You know, yeah. we, we hung out a lot. We, we actually flew together um, in South America. We had a, one big, giant 737 or something. It, it said Def Crew on her. Yeah, and um, so we flew with uh, with those guys, and so we just hung out a bit. You know, it was cool. For you, going from doing like the solo shows where you'll play large clubs, theaters, you know, whatever, it's a, it's it's more of a an intimate thing. Yeah. Then you're go, you and then you do Motley, of course, still, and then Motley, you're in arenas or stadiums or whatever. For you as an artist, for you as a frontman, what's your preference? What do you like better? I like. I, it seems like I have the best of both worlds. You know, I like playing the smaller places uh like the indian casinos and stuff like that and um you know usually usually like 12 1300 people you know that's about the max those those places have but um i love it i love it because you can see the people's faces you know a stadium at nighttime you can't see anybody right you know you just maybe the uh, the front row you can't even see the second row. You just seem like you're just, you know, you don't know if you if you're if people are rocking out or not until after the song and you hear this, right? You know, and um, so um, yeah, I, I I like I really like both of them. What was the biggest crowd you've ever played to in your career? The amount of people. The Us Festival, 1981. Oh, what? Oh, well, 83. 83. Yeah. Uh, so just when Shout was coming out, right? It wasn't even out yet when we played it. We played Between all... Too, Fast and 11, Too Fast for Love and Shout. You guys yeah. were like first or second on the bill, too, right? Second on the bill, yeah. yeah. Um, that was that was pretty neat. There was, was 360,000 people there. You couldn't see where it ended. It was just all mass of people. And they had like four towers, you know, to get to all the people so they could hear I don't know, you know, the people in the back, no way could they see us, see the band play. Yeah. It's just too many people. Yeah. Of course, everyone remembers that. I mean, it's a legendary show, and there's video and photos and all that. It's yeah. an amazing bill. That's Van Halen closed that night, right? Van Halen, yeah. The Roth right. was loaded and messed the words yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> he, he <laughs> that was one show where he'd like to take back. How about <laughs> Did you, did you, uh, do you, I mean, I know it's, it's 40 years ago, but do you remember having much interaction with any of the other bands on the bill? And like Motley was still an up and coming band at yeah, that time. Yeah. So were you guys a little kind of like wide eyed being in front of that many people and having Van Halen and Scorpions and all these guys around you? Yeah. Well, we knew, uh, we knew the Van Halen guys, um, but Dave, especially Dave, Dave would come to a lot of our shows. Oh really? You know, yeah. When Motley was playing like the Troubadour and, and, uh, the whiskey, Dave was right there because we had we got all the girls, right? You know, so. <laughs> and you probably had all the other booze and other substances yeah. that he would have liked too. Absolutely. Uh, so he would hang and come see you guys, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's the first guy. That he um, he kind of took me under his wing. I was just some, you know, club playing rock and roll guy, and he took me out to to uh, uh, Canner's Deli on yeah, Fairfax. I've been there, yeah. 
And he just sat me down and, and he talked about uh, what, you, what you got to look for at a record company, uh, publishing, uh, uh, and just kind of like filled my head with the, with the, with the inner workings of being a, re- a rock and roll band. And that was, that was really nice of him, you know. To, so I, I, didn't, I was nobody. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's he really kind of mentored you. Yeah. Mentored you in yeah, a way. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. You hear so many different stories, like all these guys, yourself included. You hear all these crazy stories of this, the good, the bad, or whatever, yeah. and who's done what. But you don't hear a lot about that side of Dave that he he that he would do that yeah. for you, and yeah, because right. he could have very much looked at you as a, a in a competitive way. I mean, here you are. You're coming up. You know, you're this great looking kid on the scene and. The, the, that whole part, and I mean, even though Van Halen was well established, still, I mean, you know, yeah. there's a competitive thing there. Yeah. Especially I, with a guy like that, with an ego and stuff, he could have been like, uh, "Yeah, I'm not going to help this kid." Yeah, he could have. Yeah. Could have very easily. He was just uh, that kind of guy. Did you see Van Halen growing up in Southern California? Did you see him in the clubs? I went to the. No, I didn't see him in the clubs. But I, I what I used to do is my mom would drive me to. Uh, I remember the Long Beach Arena. Uh, Van Halen was playing there, and I didn't get in. But what I did was uh. I was bootlegging T-shirts. Oh, really? Yeah, I was the kid out there selling shirts. Is that right? Out of my mom's trunk. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I used to, of course, buy those shirts at concerts. Yeah. And I used to watch guys like you get chased by security. You yeah. know, dump the shirts and run away. Yeah, you it was know? in my mom's car. So she she drove me there. Your mom endorsed <laughs> you bootlegging the shirts? Yeah, absolutely. Did you print them yourself? Yeah. yeah. Really? Had them, had them printed, yeah. Because the other thing, now I don't want to go off on the soapbox about this, but it's funny. It's, I had no idea about that because the deal was, like, as a fan, when you bought those shirts, you know, of course, they were a fraction of the price of what was inside. Yeah. But you guys would always buy what they would call, like, the irre- irregular stitching, right? Did you used to buy those where you get them cheaper? I, I, I probably did. I don't, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I was, I was just, like, 15. So I'm getting geeky here, but the <laughs> tags on the shirts, if they cut them, with the scissors, that means that the stitching was a little off, which is why they couldn't sell them to stores. Ah. So you could buy it for a fraction of what the regular shirt would be. And at least in New York, the market I grew up right. in, the, you'd, you'd buy the shirt and you're like, oh, cool, you get the shirt for three bucks. But then you get it home, you keep pulling on the collar and you're like, why is this shirt not fit weird? And you'd <laughs> see it was cut. And I later learned that the bootleggers would buy the cut ones so they could ah, make more profit. Wow, that that sounds. If if I didn't do that, I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so who did you bootleg shirts on? Van Halen and who else? Um, I only Van Halen. Really? Just Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> That's hysterical, man. Yeah. You, know, you got resourceful now that you got people bootlegging your shirts oh, out there. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. You probably give them. You probably let them slide a little bit given your history, right? Yeah, I mean they. They frown on it, but like say down in uh, in Mexico, um, uh, South America, really the uh, um, the bootleggers are like may have they make the best stuff. I mean, I've got like a a bootlegged uh, like these boxes of like of uh, like uh, I don't remember, but they have they make these really cool boxes with spikes on them and stuff, and, yeah. and have your logo on it, and but they have, they make everything, yeah, and um. Yeah, if you want to get some really cool Miley stuff, go to bootleggers in, in Mexico or <laughs> South America. It's endorsing the bootleggers. It's hysterical. <laughs> when, when, when you, we mentioned the dirt a second ago. Did you, um, you said you liked the film. Yeah. How, we all know those biopics, whether it's the Queen one or the Motley one, they get embellished because there's got to be a storyline. It's Hollywood. We get all that. 
How how accurate was it, was it specifically the scene where they come to see you play? I think you're the scene is you're in the backyard playing a backyard party, and I think it's in the in the movie Nikki and Tommy come, and I think you're playing a Billy Squire song. You're playing a cover. It's, yeah, at least in the movie, that whole period for you, how accurate was that? Was was your band doing well, and that was the kind of like what you were doing covers? Yeah, yeah, I'd be, um, but they came to see me at the uh, Starwood uh, in Hollywood. Okay, so it wasn't a backyard. It wasn't party. a backyard, but I was I was a back backyard player. You know, I, I'd play all the backyard parties uh, in in high school, and um, so I, I, they just kind of you know took some stuff and put it in there, which which is accurate, but it wasn't exactly the way it happened. Right. You know, like it's, no, it's only you know an hour and forty minutes for the film. Right. To get in, you know, ten years of of uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um. Yeah, that was. I thought everything was accurate, really accurate in the in the movie, though. Um, you know, uh, some stuff but like um, our first show wasn't the forum for one thing. The fir- first show was uh, at the at the uh, Sarwood um, when we made it. We, we thought we made it anyway, and um, that's that's where. Uh, um, uh, no, wait, 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 I'm getting ahead of myself. Doc, Doc, and and Doug, mm-hmm. um, they came to see us at New Year's Eve. New Year's Evil, we had, and I, we had two of John Forster's funny cars on stage, and we had um, that was our opening. They fire up the funny cars and they go really loud. That was that was our. our that's how Motley opened in the clubs. Yeah, yeah. This well, this is a the L.A. Um, the Santa Monica Civic Center. Oh, that's a bigger place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was New Year's Eve, and we had a miss. Miss Nude Contest, and yeah, of course you did. Yeah, <laughs> why not? I had to have that, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where what happened. That's where Doug and 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 uh, and Doc first saw us. Okay, but they didn't put that in. Right, they just had Doc kind of emerge, you know. From, right, but uh, a lot everything else was was really good. Like like when they handcuffed Tommy to the to the bed, you know, he had that happen. Yeah, the flare, the flare thing. We shot the flare in Doc's room. Yeah, um, we didn't do that. We shot it in our own room because we had to share rooms back then. Just me and Tommy, and we we bought these little uh, flare guns, and we we're like, how, how do you load this thing? We loaded one up and it just popped out, and then we loaded another one the other other way and just fireball, <laughs> huge fireball, <laughs> bounced off the ceiling and and landed on the bed. And we were we were laughing so hard we um uh we we actually locked the door behind us because we didn't we forgot our keys <laughs> so and we had to call the uh, call the maid to over to, to uh, open the door and she opened it and smoke's coming out you know out of the, the out of the, um, the seam of the of the door and uh, that was it was you know, it was pretty funny, but yeah, so it happened, but didn't happen the way in the in the right, film. Right, right, as is usually the case with biopics. Um, uh, moving, I know you can't uh, and probably can't and don't want to talk about uh, all that's gone on with Mick because I know there's some stuff going on with legal things and all yeah. of that. But um, the big change with Motley is the arrival of the replacement for Mick, who uh, I told you earlier is one of my dear friends, yeah. uh, John Five, who may or may not right now to want to say hello and talk to us, <laughs> but. You're, uh, what what has it like been like for you uh, having John in the band? Um, it's actually made me a better singer because 
by having him, I don't have to worry about guitar anymore. I don't have to worry about playing the wrong song or or, or uh, losing his his place in the song, which he did quite often. And um, but you know, John is just a, he's just a guitar player. He's a spot on guitar player. He's he's I've never seen him without a guitar in his hand. <laughs> I mean. He just sits there, you know, just just plays constantly. Right. Yeah, I mean, he sits in his hotel room and plays a guitar. A guitar or a Kiss collectible, always in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, on cue, we welcome to the show via phone. The bat signal went up. Yeah. John 5 has joined us. All right. Johnny. Hey, hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> hey, buddy. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. It's going good. I was laughing out loud at these uh, stories of you <laughs> selling bootleg Van Halen shirts at the show. That is amazing. I yeah. never knew that. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I never knew that either. I think that's awesome. You know, and, and John, uh, Vince and I were talking last night, and I was telling him what good friends we are and how, you know, your history with me and the show and all of that. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the fact that first and foremost, you're still just a fan. And I was telling him he's got to get to your house and see your Kiss collection and all of that. But, you know, obviously you're in Motley Crue now and you're out and you've toured already with Vince. But being the fanboy you are, what's your Motley Crue Vince question you'd like to ask him on the radio <laughs> that you haven't already in a dressing room somewhere? I actually have a serious question. And if we wow. were going... The, uh, the 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 songs we play. Is there any song that we don't play that you would want to play live? Like any anything we're not playing live. What would you want to play? I always like the song Red Hot. You know, is me a, is a, too. Yeah. I, <laughs> can I, we get Nikki and Tommy on the phone yeah. and figure if we can make this all happen right now? <laughs> you don't do that I one. Don't. You guys haven't done that. No, we haven't done it. Uh, we used to do it, and um, I'm sure John, you know it. You know the song. I know it. And oh yeah, yeah. So we could we could start rehearsing it, like you know, right before the show, and and he'd get it, and we'd we'd get it. It's a it's a fun song. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Great drum part now, yeah. too for Tommy as well. Yeah, John, yeah. what do you want to play love... that you're not playing? John, what do you want to play that you want Vince thing that you're not doing right now? Reverse um... it. What do you want done? I'll probably anything off of like Too Fast for Love or Shout the Devil or you know Theater of Pain or Girls 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 or Doctor Feelgood. <laughs> you know, just any of one. those. So any of those, you know, I, I I'd love to do. So you know, it'd be great. Hey John, you you of course have a long career playing with a lot of people, but and I know this is like a whole dream experience for you being being a part of Motley. But, you know, you've played with a ton of uh, great performers and front men, uh, obviously most recently Rob Zombie and all of that. What's the experience been like for you being on stage with Vince and being up there and uh, running around and circling with him up there? Well, it's, it's really great because the first time I met Vince was at Tommy's party. And, I, and um, because I know Nikki and Tommy so well, and I was really, really excited uh, to meet Vince and to get up on stage with him. So <laughs> during the show, I'm always like moving up to him and rocking out with him and stuff like that. Or if he's on the other side of the stage, I'll run on the other side of the stage and rock out with him and stuff like that. So it's really, uh, it's wonderful. It's, it's, um, it's such a, 
wonderful experience to be up on stage with the guys and playing those songs that, you know, we all love and we grew up with and, you know, we still love and we're just continuing on and it's just, uh, it really is a dream. And, you know, wait till you hear the new stuff too. It's crazy incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah, we didn't touch on that yet. And yeah. Vince, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we recorded these songs um, a little while ago and um, they're, they're really good songs. Uh, um, I don't know what, what to say. We're, well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play those uh, this summer. Um, yeah. we, we, how many songs did we record? Four. Yeah, I think John? we recorded yeah three or four. Yeah, and yeah. The, um, it's it's they're monsters, you know. So super yeah. excited about that to play those. Super excited. Any idea when we're going to hear the first one? Do we know when it, actual music's going to come out? Uh, I don't know. Um, I know we're doing uh, music I, with uh, uh, Scott Bruschetta. Um, Big Machine? Big Machine. That's the label for it? Yeah. Okay. All right. John, you probably know something but can't say it. I can tell already. I'm, I'm hearing <laughs> the silence. I'm hearing John's uncomfortable <laughs> silence. Like, I better not say anything. He's always so worried. If you know, it, let me know. Coming. Yeah, send text to Vince <laughs> so he knows. <laughs> this, this is when it's coming out. It's coming out on... So everybody looks hey. forward to it. <laughs> that was my sound effect for blocking it out when it's coming out. So, are you playing guitar right now? Oh, do you have a guitar in your lap? Always, <laughs> of course he does. I know, does. <laughs> always. All right, man. Well, listen, I'll let you go. I'm going to finish up with Vince so we can get on with his day here too, as well. I don't want to hold him too long, but I appreciate you checking in. All right, Vince. I'm looking forward to seeing you, buddy. And Eddie, I'll see you soon. All right, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, great hearing from you, and good luck on your tour, dude. It's going to be fun. All right. Thank you, man. And you know, I'll, yeah. I'll text you all the time. Take care. Thanks, yeah, buddy. you start, John. When do you start? You start, like, next week, right, with the Creatures? I start, yeah, I start uh, Friday in Orange County and then Saturday at the El Rey. So, yeah, we're I we're think going. I'm going to see you in Vegas. I might not be in L.A. Yeah, yeah. for that show, but I'll be in, I will catch you in Vegas. I got it on my calendar. Okay, I'll be there, and and then I'm gonna I'm packing my warm unmentionables because it's gonna be cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, enjoy your last days in Southern California, buddy. You're you're gonna you're gonna in for a shock when you get out there. <laughs> All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Take right. care, buddy. See you, buddy. See you. There he goes, John Five checking in for a little bit. So just wrapping up, man, because again, I appreciate the time. I don't want to keep you too long. What do you have? Um, do you have any? You have solo stuff coming up as well outside of the Motley stuff? Yeah, I just played uh, two shows last week. Uh, one in Tulsa and one in Oklahoma. With some I don't know where it was, but it was another right. place. And uh, um, I, I, I'm not doing anything in February because it's my birthday month. And, um, so you take the whole month. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Just, <laughs> what do you do for uh, a month? <laughs> get warm. Yeah. Go to the beach. You know, going to be in the Bahamas for a while. And, oh, okay. In Florida and down here in the Keys. So, How old are you turning, if you don't mind me asking? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. I thought maybe you were going to, because I'm fifty-nine. I'm I'm like flipping out that. In eight months, I'm going to hit sixty. Yeah. So I didn't know if you were like right at the same age. Was yeah. it was it a head fuck when you hit sixty? Yeah, <laughs> I bet because I'm freaking out. It was. I was like, oh man, sixty. I never thought I'd make it to sixty and still be in Motley Crue. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know, Nikki's sixty-five. He he's an AARP guy. 
Yeah. You know? I get those in the yeah, mail. I rip I them right up. I get emails from them I, all the time. I get them physically in the mail. I tear them right up. I, I get all angry and I throw them in the garbage. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? There's good discounts there. I'm like, no way. I'm not going down that road. No. I'll pay the extra money. I can't do it. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't know about you, and I say this all the time. I feel like rock and roll keeps us young. I really do. Yeah. And I don't I don't feel 59 years old. I, I literally, especially being out like last night, we were watching music, having a drink. I feel like I'm 25 still. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you get that as well? Yeah, until I wake up in the morning, my back hurts, my feet hurt. My exactly. Life. I when getting off stage, you know, every bone in your body hurts from running around on stage, and and uh, like my hands hurt from holding the microphone. Yeah. You know. Just, well, yeah. I was at that show in Tennessee. I hosted a couple years, a few years ago, where you fell off the stage. Oh yeah. That was scary, man. Yeah. Well, I fell in that hole. In the gap. Yeah, in the gap between the stage and the uh, and the floor monitors. Yeah. 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 You and that that was probably you broke some ribs, right? Yeah, I broke four of them. That had to be a bitch to recover oh, from, yeah. I would think, right? I, I, I felt it um, for a year afterwards. You yeah. Know? And I, I still feel it once in a while. You know, just it's one of those injuries. You know, it's being a, uh, in a band is a dangerous business. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, <laughs> especially the way you guys are, are up there. And one other thing that I wanted to ask you that fans always ask me about, when it comes to your solo stuff, you made a good run of solo records, and you had some good success songs like Sister of Pain and things yeah. like that. When you play with your solo band, you basically do all Motley. Do you, one day, would you ever consider incorporating some stuff from your solo records we, in? We do, um, um, You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do that one. So would you like to do more? Like, how do you feel about some of those records? Do you? Um, I, I, I liked Exposed record. I thought that was a great record. It was a little bit ahead of its time. Right. But, um, and there's a lot of good songs on there. But, uh, you know, I, I, you see, I mean, people want to hear Motley. Yeah. You know, they come to see me. They want to hear the solo stuff. So right. I, I threw in the one song. But, you know, we don't play that long, really. You know, especially in, in uh, casinos. They um, they want people in, watch the show and out to gamble. You know, they would go gamble, yeah. Right, and um, so we 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 don't have a whole lot of time. I don't know what I cut from the set to put in a, a Vince Neil tune. Right, but well, we found the the one hole. Right, and um, and uh, you're invited, but your friend could come. It's a cool song. That record you did. Uh, which is probably the last one, Tattoos and Tequila. I thought that was a really cool record. I like that record. The covers you did on yeah. there were great. You had some original songs on there. A couple. I thought that was a that, and that was made with your current band, right? Yep. It was yep. made with Blando and Dana and those yep. guys, right? Yep. Exactly. That's a, that was a really good record, man. Yeah. I thought people that didn't hear that they should check that out. I thought there was cool stuff on there. Yeah, thanks, bro. I, it was a lot of fun because those are all my favorite songs I grew up with. Yeah, you did. Uh, I think you did Aerosmith, Nobody's Fault, I Nobody's think. Nobody's Fault, like, yeah. Cool songs. Off, like, off, the rock, off the Rocks album. You, didn't you do She's a Whore, Cheap Trick, too? He's a Whore. He's a Whore, rather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a, yeah I got to change it. God, get in trouble. Rick Nielsen's going to text me. Yeah. No, that was uh, that was, uh, that was was awesome, man. That was a really cool record. Yeah, People. I did like a lot of a lot of the songs. You don't know who it was, you know, because you, a lot of people don't, don't go that deep into records. And But, like, He's a Whore. Is um you know cheap trick I I love that song yeah and, great song yeah but people would go what's that what's that song yeah you know and, and uh, Aerosmith uh, nobody's fault uh, no yeah nobody's fault right heavy song yeah nobody's yeah. fault Brad Whitford wrote that song wow. it's a heavy song it's such a great song you did a sweet song if I remember on there too um yeah uh 
ACDC. ACDC. ACDC, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is a sweet song. ACDC. Yeah. It's great, man. <laughs> that was your stuff growing up, right? All yeah, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's killer, man. Um, and and lastly, you're wearing a Miami Dolphins yeah. shirt. My condolences. Yeah. I know you <laughs> had a tough one there on the on, on the playoffs, but who are you rooting for now with the teams that are left? Um, probably San Francisco. Yeah. I've always liked them. Yeah. Who do you think's going to get it? San Francisco? I think so. You think so? Yeah. Baltimore looks good, man. Baltimore looks really good, too. Baltimore looks good. I mean, this is a big weekend. Obviously, this is really coming up tomorrow and Sunday is really yeah. going to be interesting. Yeah. So I tell my friends, don't bother me. Don't. Don't don't t- don't text me. Don't do anything. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer you. How did you become a Dolphins fan? Being a California guy. Well, living in L.A., there was a time when uh, we didn't have a team. The Rams had moved to St. Louis, and uh, and uh, uh, the Raiders. Raiders Raiders came over for one one season, and then they went back to Oakland. Right. And so we didn't have a team for a while. And I was I had a lot of friends in Miami, so I was in Miami a lot. And so I would go to a lot of the games. You know, and um, so I became a fan, and been a fan ever since. You and and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you people what a fan you are, uh, and and I'll leave you with this. I promise, I'll let you go. <laughs> um, you won't remember this, but this is shit. Fifteen, twenty years ago, you were living in Vegas. I was there. Vegas has these great Super Bowl parties. This year they're hosting the Super Bowl, but even when they're not, they've yeah. got these great parties. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't know about the parties because they're only people who are invited, guests, right. and all that. Because they kind of have to do them behind closed doors because the NFL can actually sue if you advertise Super Bowl and all of that. It's like a thing, right? So do you remember the Hard Rock used to do a great Super Bowl party right in the joint? Right. And used to go in and they put yeah. tables and it was a private thing. So I was there once with some friends. I got invited, and you were there. And you came walking by right where I was sitting. And um, I'll never forget it because you were holding a Miami Dolphins helmet. And I was like, you know, we were all having some drinks. And I was like, you know, and you came over like, hey, bro, what's going on? And he goes, I'm going to make my bet for the game. And the the Dolphins weren't in the game, but you were just (laughs) this jersey and this helmet or whatever. (laughs) But the funniest thing about that is you came – the, they sang the national anthem. You came back with your tickets from having bet for the game. Yeah. We're all holding our tickets, and they played the national anthem. And you came running over to where I was sitting, and you go to me, bro, I won already. And I go, the game didn't start. What the hell did oh. you bet on? You bet the over-under on the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you won it. Yeah. I didn't even know you could bet that until you did you it. You can bet anything in Vegas, you know. <laughs> Do you generally bet on the games a lot? I I, I bet a lot. Yeah, yeah. How how do you do usually? I'm, I'm basically break even. You know, okay. I win some, I lose some. You know, so I'm not getting rich off it, but, it, but it's a lot of fun for me. <laughs> do you usually bet the national anthem? Always. You do? Yeah, because you can tell if if someone's uh, like if if your dog died or the, the singer's uh going through divorce <laughs> or some they they it lasts a lot longer because they oh. Say, can, you know, and happy people go, oh, say, can you see? And uh, that's how you, you know that you know what's way to bet. So it's like, like, like if you're betting on horses, you actually do research on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you bet the coin toss? Um, I have, yeah. You can't research that. No. That's no, just that's pure just, luck. That's just luck, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I'm going to call you or text you before this year's Super Bowl and ask you for the tip on the over-under on okay, the national anthem. Yeah. I don't know, even know who's singing it. I don't know if they announced it yet. 
But, oh, I don't know. But we have to find out, and you can go to work that's right. and figure out if they've gone through a divorce or a dog died. Oh, that's right. And then let me know where it's at. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, I can't thank you enough for coming by, man. I know you could have done a ton of things here, so the fact he came over means a lot to me. So Thanks, thank buddy. you, bro. Appreciate it's it. good to see you, Always man. good to see you, too, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Key West, man. Thank, thank you. you so much. Well, it was great to visit with Vince, and again, I really appreciate him taking time out. He could have done so many different things there in Florida, but for him to uh, take some time out and join me was really, really cool on uh, uh, in my trailer, <laughs> dumpy little trailer backstage at uh, Rock Island in Key West. So thanks to Vince for making the time to do that. Much appreciated. As I promised, a second interview this week. This is with Scott Stapp of Creed talking about his solo album and the big Creed reunion. Here's Scott. Scott, how you been, man? What is up, brother? How you doing? Good. It's been a while since we uh, we've spoken on the air, and uh, I I'm honored to be one of the hosts on the upcoming Creed cruises. I I know he texted you around that, and then I got your new music, and it just sounded so killer. I said we're definitely due for a chat on the air. Awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you on the cruises, and uh, excited about what's to come, and and glad to talk to you about the new music. Yeah, man. So um, tell me about this record, because it's coming out on March 15th. It's called Higher Power. Uh, I know it's your fourth. For people that don't know, you've released a bunch of great solo albums, this being your fourth. What about the uh, about this record and the approach to it and uh, that you might have been going for that you were trying to, you know, do differently than the previous records or stay in that same pocket? Tell me about putting this one together. You know, man, I I don't really think or plan too much in advance when I'm in the creative process. I go in and I I get with whoever I'm writing with, uh, whether it be Giannis Papadopoulos or Scott Stevens or Marty Fredrickson or Zach Malloy, guys that I've written with for over a decade. And it's all about the vibe in the moment. And a lot of it just comes from whatever I'm going through, literally, at that moment in my life and it gets just gets channeled into music. And so we sit around and, and, you know, we, we just start jamming, uh, until we stumble across a vibe that connects, uh, with the energy that, that I'm bringing in. Uh, and I really kind of approach this with less thought and more just flow. Um, and really just, it, it's kind of a diary again of a snapshot in my life uh, that, uh, I was living at the time. And to be honest with you, I'm still living now. Um, and so it's, it's a very personal record, but it's really a journey and a story. And I, I, uh, am excited to share it with everybody. You know, you've, to me, Scott, beyond your voice, which is very recognizable, th- that has really always been a signature of everything you've done that you've, you've always sort of bared your soul for better or worse through your music, haven't you? I mean, has that, has music yeah. always been sort of a therapeutic thing for you and a, a platform for you like that as a writer and as, as a singer, is that, has that been a, a good outlet for you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, music started saving my life when I was nine years old. Um, and, you know, if it wasn't for a music teacher that pulled me out, uh, I tell the story all the time that pulled me out of the principal's office uh, because I just had so much energy and was just so excited. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't know how to manage that. So they channeled me into music and uh, 
you know, from that point on, music has been something that has just been uh, an outlet for me to just express and deal with life uh, on life's terms to the best of my ability. Um, you know, and, and life has taken its twists and turns and, and, you know, it's no secret. I've been down some dark roads and, and, and I continue to go on this journey of life and have, have my setbacks and have my victories and, and, and have my experiences and struggles. But through it all, I just want to share that, uh, and have reached a place in my life where I hope that everything that I've gone through in my life, good and bad, that gets channeled into this music, uh, can connect with someone and you know, either inspire them, encourage them, help them during a difficult time, or help them not go down a path that I've gone down. Uh, and so that's really where I'm at in my life with my music. And I think unconsciously and consciously at times, that's been my, my, my goal since day one. Is it hard as a writer to bear yourself as much as you've ha you have, or do you feel like, like when you look back at, on it in, in retrospect, and I mean, and some of the songs you've had a hand in writing have become massively successful songs. Um, is it, you know, when you look back on that, are you glad that you did that at that time? Is it a difficult thing to do as a writer and to be that open? You know, I don't think about it like that. It's just, it's the only way I know how to write, Eddie. Um, I don't know any other way to create, um, mm. whether I'm journaling, um, whether I'm writing poetry or whether I'm writing lyrics or whether I'm just freestyling something that turns into uh, lyrics and melodies for songs uh, or even, you know, producing and arranging. I, I, I just do it on instinct and, and I write, from the gut, from the heart, uh, from the spirit. Um, and so I never look back on anything and regret what I've done because it's all come from a very sincere and honest place. Um, and it, a lot of it at times is, you know, I'll write about how I want to feel, not how I'm feeling. I'll write about where I want to be, not where I'm at. Uh, other times I'll write about the moment and exactly how I'm feeling. So it's, it's just a spectrum, um, of 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 inspiration uh and there's no regrets there's no regrets and i just have always just wanted to connect with people because i and i would have alone um and i think that's been a theme in my life uh is is this struggle of feeling alone uh and i really want to claim with this record uh and i have it other times in my life but you know being being the age that i'm at right now and and I just want to claim what higher power is all about. And I want to make that my, my life. And I want to make that my future. Uh, and I want to make that my destiny. Um, and, you know, and I'm excited to share that song and then the journey on this record with everybody. Yeah. And Scott, as you well know, I mean, your, your struggles over throughout your life have been very public. There are a lot of people I'm sure in your audience who, you know, aren't, well-known frontmen, famous singers, rock stars, et cetera, that share the same struggles. I would imagine that throughout your journey and throughout your career in music that you've probably heard from a lot of fans and a lot of people that your music has touched and helped being this open and honest as you've been. Is that something that, uh, that you catch a lot of being out there on the road and meeting fans and stuff? Yeah, you know, I really do. Um, and I'm really humbled by it. Uh, and it's, and it's encouraging to me, 
just as much as I'll hear the fans share with me how, you know, the music has helped them or, or connected with them or, you know, got them through a very difficult situation or, or been, uh, you know, the theme track of a positive situation in their life. You know, I'm humbled by it, and but it also edifies me and, and continues to, to motivate me in this purpose uh, and, and gives me hope that, you know, all these, these things that I, I've had to go through in life in order to create this songs was for something. It wasn't for nothing uh, because it's, it's, it's gone on to grow and impact something far beyond myself. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, I've had to go through some, some, some valleys and, and some dark places and also experience some, some, some highs and some wonderful moments in life to create this music. Um, in order for it to connect with people how it is and and uh and I'm humbled by it and and I'm very grateful uh and uh just honored that I've been blessed with the life that I've been given. Uh two tracks so far out from the record which again is out on March 15th. One is the title track Higher Power, the other is a track called What I Deserve. Since those are the two tracks the audience likely would have heard already, uh what can you tell us about those two songs? Well, I'd tell you, higher power is is really based on this journey in recovery uh, that I've been on, uh, and you know, it's it's the solution uh, for me in order to stay sober, and also to get back up when I stumble, um, is my spiritual condition and my connection with God, and and keeping that strong because for me, that's the only way. Uh, when I put my when I put my 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 sobriety and and my and my goal of of living this life that I want to live when I rest it on anything else but God I fail because those things go away uh, and that's what I've learned in this journey in recovery uh, and we call that finding the chinks in your armor uh, just when you think you got it all together you'll you know life will throw you a curveball uh, and you'll revert back to you know trying to medicate that suffering and that pain uh because that's that's really what it is at its core um and so when those things come you learn your lesson you pick yourself back up and you reconnect with god and realize that that's the constant that's going to drive you and keep you down this path uh of sobriety and recovery and and that's what higher power is all about you know it it, it really tells the story of, uh, of of an incident that scott stevens and i had been speaking about uh, for years, um, and Scott Stevens and I co-wrote the song, and he had the title, uh, and and knew my story because we spent so much time in the studio together. Um, and so we just came in, and 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 he had pretty much, I mean, I tell you, he had the title, and he had the music bed, and he's like, man, let's hammer this out, uh, let's tell this story, uh, and that song was born, and it, and it was right on time, uh, and then uh, with what I deserve. You know, that song is really just about coming to a place in your life where you start to really awaken to relationships that you have in your life. Uh, and, and, and you really realize and, and find out who is or what your boundaries are as a human being and what we all deserve. You know, the basic necessities in any interpersonal human relationship, you know, kindness, respect love uh grace 
um, you know, all those things. And, and, and that's where really that song was born. And I think the, the most incredible thing about that song for me is the showcase of Giannis Papadopoulos and yeah, really getting to the introduce playing. the incredible talent and genius of his guitar playing. Uh, and I really think you can hear that on the solo because not only is, you know, can he riff with the best of them and, 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 and play as fast as anyone you can imagine, but he also can take you on this journey uh, and, and, and show so much passion. Uh, and so, you know, he's been my guy uh, for nine years in my solo band. And I've really just been blessed with having Mark Chamani, one of the greatest guitar players of our generation. And then Giannis Papadopoulos, who I believe at some point uh, deserves to be in that conversation as well. I mean, he's an incredible talent. Yeah. Well, judging from the performance on the record, I, I would agree with you. It's, uh, I, I was not familiar with him before he started working with you. And uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. You know, Scott, I'm, you know, you, you referenced the fact that so much of this stuff is so personal to you and that you're, your journey and your your ups and your downs and your struggles and all of that. And I'm curious, you know, how you are now, because you sound like you're in a great place. And before you came on the air, I was telling the audience a story about, I don't know if you remember, it was probably about five years ago, but I was actually in Houston for something else. And the promoter drove me by your show and I had missed your show. You were just coming off stage, but we sat in your bus that night and we talked for like an hour and we had a great chat and um, everyone, you know, when I told people that I spent some time with you and spoke with you, everybody said the same thing. Well, how was he? Was he together? Was he, you know, and I said, yeah, he was great. He's the nicest guy. We exchanged numbers. Super cool dude. We had a nice conversation and all of that. And you still sound like you're you're in that place. So do you feel like a lot of your your struggles and your, your issues and your recovery, do you feel like you're on pretty firm ground now? Do you feel like the, the worst of it's behind you and you've really come out the other side? Or do you still struggle? Well, I, de- I, I definitely, definitely can say that the worst of it is behind me because, you know, in the past, it would be a perpetual cycle. Uh, it was something that I was battling, uh, you know, every day and, 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 and it would turn into months and years and, and it was just a, a struggle. You know, at this point in my journey, uh, you know, it, if I have a stumble, it's get right back up, get right back on track, life moves on, and take it one day at a time. Um, and so, you know, I've come a, a long way in my journey in, in, in sobriety. And, you know, some people's recovery journey doesn't involve relapse. It's not a part of their story. Uh, but it is a part of mine. And, and each time that I have, like I said, the growth has come in that it's something that is caught within hours uh, and then I'm right back on track. And then I have to process that and learn, okay, what, a, what, what was the chink in my armor? You know, what, what was it? Cause I thought I had it all shirt up, you know? And so I look at it as an opportunity to grow. And so that can't trigger that to happen again. Um, and so, you know, today I can tell you, man, I'm in a good place. Uh, you know, and I try to live life in the moment. Um, and so in living life that way, uh, I'm having a great conversation with you, man. We're talking about my solo record, Higher Power. We're talking about life and trying to live it right uh, and trying to walk the path 
And then we're talking about all the Creed stuff that's on the horizon. So when you put it in context, man, I'm grateful. And I have to really live in that spirit. Uh, no matter what my circumstances are around me, I have to just take it one day at a time and try to stay in a spirit of gratitude. Uh, and, and all of us in life, and I don't want to preach on your show, but all of us in life, whatever our challenges are, I think you can apply these same uh, principles and philosophies to any aspect of your life, uh, not just people who are trying to stay sober. Because we all have problems, man. Nobody's perfect. We all have struggles. We all have things that we can improve on and get better at. Uh, and on that quest uh, of self-improvement uh, and betterment, we can't let our mistakes define us. Uh, and I was talking to my pastor, uh, and he was, we were, we were kind of going over the last 10 years. Uh, and he, he threw out a bunch of days, and he goes, hey, there was 3,600, and he, he put out the number of days. Uh, and he said, you know, out of those days, when it can't, comes to your sobriety, you've had four or five bad days out of 3,600 and something days. And he said, put that in perspective, man. I'm yeah. proud of you because those five days don't define you. Those 3,600 and whatever do. And I think that applies to all of us, despite, you know, like I said, no matter what you're trying to achieve and no matter how you're trying to grow in life, you can't define your life by your worst days. You have to define your life by your best days, especially when they outnumber the bad ones in such a profound way. And so I just want to encourage anyone who hears this uh, not to get caught up uh, and, and rehash the bad days. Uh, build your life on your good days, and they'll just keep adding up. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, is, that is really some, some great advice right there. March 15th is the release date for Scott's latest solo album again higher power two tracks are out now you can pre-order the record now and uh last thing on this then i'm gonna ask you a couple quick creed things and i'll let you go scott are you we know and uh we're gonna touch on this here in a second that that creed has a busy schedule coming up with the tour and uh the cruises and all that stuff you have lined up but are you going to be able to find some time in that schedule to go out and do live shows in support of your solo music I sure am. Uh, everyone stay tuned. Uh, I got a big announcement next week uh, about a solo tour in March. Uh, I've got some solo dates here. Uh, check it out on scottstapp.com. I've got some solo dates here coming up with Daughtry at the end of this month. Uh, okay. And then in between the Creed runs, uh, I'll be doing solo tours. Uh, I've got another one I'll be announcing uh, coming up uh, in May uh, after the uh, Creed cruise. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, it's going to be an exciting year of, uh, you know, doing, doing our thing with Creed and, and, and all the positivity there. And then also getting out and, uh, doing my solo touring, uh, in promotion of this record. So, you know, I was, uh, I was, I was, this is so, so funny. Like, I don't know, maybe four or five months, four or five months ago, if that I was in Vegas where I have a second home and I was with uh, Mark Tremonti. We were at a bar. We were hanging out. We we're having a drink. We were talking. And I said to Mark, I said, you know, I said, you got some unfinished business out there with Creed. And he looks at me, goes, oh, yeah. I go, dude, I go, I don't care what's happened or what people have said in the past. The bottom line is you guys sold an insane amount of records. 
You're a new generation's classic rock. And I said, all these people are sick of seeing the same bands come through every year on the same festivals and things. He said, you would get, there's some big business out there if you guys ever pulled it together again. And I'll never forget it, Scott. He kind of like, you know, he's having a drink. He kind of looked at me, gave me like a little smile. He goes, yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. And then like a week or two later, the uh, the cruises were announced. And I, I texted him. I go, you son of a bitch. But um, <laughs> do you feel that way? Do you feel like, you know, for you coming back together with Creed and everything that's lined up? And I know the cruises sold out in seconds. They added the second one. It sold out in seconds. And now talking to some people they're saying your your amphitheater tour this summer is like one of the hot tickets of the summer um how do you feel about all this i mean did it did you expect to see this kind of reaction or is it surprising what what are your thoughts about all of it well you know it's not surprising in the context of i knew that there was a new generation of creed fans being born and then also you know the fans from the past re-engaging with Creed because of everything that was going viral, uh, you know, in started in late 2020, then in 2021, 2022, 2023, you know, it, between TikTok and Instagram and, and YouTube and, 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 and all the social media platforms, we just started having this resurgence. Uh, and it, it, it was shocking at first. Cause I was like, it came out of nowhere. Um, but to see the reception uh, and to see that there was so much love out there for the band, um, I expected a positive reaction and a positive reception, but I didn't know it was going to be like this. Um, you know, I had no idea. I've, I've never done the cruise uh, thing before, uh, so I didn't really know what to expect there. And when I found out how fast it sold out, uh, and then, you know, when I found out, you know, how the ticket sales are, uh, for the amphitheater tour, um, I was surprised uh, that it was going that fast and there was that much demand. Uh, so yeah, a positive reception I expected, but I didn't know it was going to be that big. Do you uh, do you hope to any of you guys? Well, have you guys rehearsed or been all in the same room yet together? Because I know everybody's a little bit scattered. But um, and, yeah. and do you hope to or do you want to do uh, new music with Creed at some point? Has there been discussion about that? Well, yeah, Mark and I were together a couple of days ago doing something like some secret, secret thing I can't share. Uh, but uh, we were hanging out uh, for a couple of days. And and as we were hanging out, you know, we, we just began talking about how we wrote Human Clay. And uh, we wrote Human Clay while on the road touring my own prison, and we wrote it at, at sound, during sound checks. Uh, you know, 80, 90% of that record was written on stage during sound check. And you know what we'd do? We'd write a song and we'd get it tight and play it within three or four days of writing it because we didn't have enough material uh, with just that one record to be a headliner, but we were headlining shows. So we didn't want to fill our set with covers. So we were writing on the fly and just playing new songs. Uh, you know, as we, as we wrote them. And so we were talking like, you know what, that was, that was a really good experience. That was, those were good times. And, and both of us connected and I could see in his eye and, and I was feeling it too, that, uh, you know, I think, I think there's going to be some writing happening uh, and it's going to be organic. It's going to be like, and, and I think it's going to be beautiful, man. Uh, if we get back to that place 
and, and, and that chemistry, which I think we're going to fall right back into uh, once we start playing these songs together and, and we reconnect with uh, through our relationships, through the songs that we created together. You know, I, I think it's only natural for us uh, that, you know, during sound checks, sometimes in the dressing room, you know, wherever and whenever we're together, uh, that songs are going to be born. I mean, it happened on the Full Circle Tour. Uh, we wrote we wrote a bunch of songs during Soundcheck uh, during that tour, uh, and so we're sitting on those. But I, I think we're all in a fresh space, and uh, and I and I definitely think the creative juices are going to flow, um, and so I definitely think there's hope for some new music. All right, and our, and looking at this thing, and and you know, for the Creed fans out there that are so excited about this. Do you do, are you looking at, at this whole creed thing as more of like one step at a time, take it as it comes sort of thing, or is this? Do you want this to be an ongoing, yearly, every other year thing, or you know, or is this just a reunion to kind of reconnect after ten years? Like, how, from your vantage point, how do you see it? Well, it's evolved. Uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, initially I, I was taking it like, all right, let's do the cruises. Uh, and then let's kind of see what happens from, from there. Um, but the reception was so incredible. And, and like I explained before, everything that was going on viral, um, that, you know, the tour just got presented to us and, and we couldn't say no, uh, especially with, you know, the positive interaction that was happening with the band behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, I, I really am hoping that, uh, you know, all this, positive energy and positive mindset and, and, you know, just collective mindset that this is something that we finally need to, you know, really cherish and nurture and, and, and really give our fans what they want. Uh, and that it actually benefits everything else we're doing as well. Uh, you know, there's definitely been some dialogue and some conversations uh, about, you know, this being something that continues. Uh, and, uh, but again, uh, there's still a little bit of that. Let's see how it goes kind of deal. So I think, you know, part of us are in the moment saying, yeah, let's, you know, the excitement of this, let's, you know, let's make this something we do all the time. And then the, the other half of us is, all right, well, let's see how it goes. Uh, so with both of those you know, headspace is kind of living together. I think that's a positive recipe. So if everyone just shows up with that, with that right attitude, I think, you know, not to sound cliche, but it is cliche. I think the best is yet to come for Creed. And, and, you know, that is one of the cool things about the music industry now, because years ago, decades ago, it wasn't really like this when people had another band or two outside of a band it was always like viewed as well there must be a problem or whatever now it's the norm i mean i can't think of anybody that doesn't have at least two bands they're doing at the same time so even for you yeah. you've got your solo career four solo records uh, and then you've got creed if you want to do it i mean tremonti if i count it all up mark's got like four things because now i'm yeah, curious man. what you think of this he's now a crooner doing sinatra you must have heard him doing that uh, it's incredible. I'm, I think, I think he just kills it. Uh, and he just continues to just blow me away. Uh, when he sets his mind to do something, he gets it done. Uh, yeah. and he always does it a class top notch. Uh, and I'm so proud of him for that. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's incredible the causes that he's supporting uh, for Stella uh, and the Down Syndrome Foundations. Uh, but uh, the whole Sinatra thing is, I, I think it's just super cool. And he looks cool doing it, man. And he sounds great. Yeah. Did you ever think he'd, he'd, I mean, you know, I remember when he first started singing a little lead vocal, he was always telling me how he's always apprehensive about it. And now he's out there, you know, doing Sinatra. I mean, when you first met him, did you ever think he had the, that in him to be a, a lead singer like that? I'll be honest with you. No. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to get into the details of why, but you know, I think you're right. I think you characterized it right. I think it was just a little bit of apprehension. I think it was a little bit of fear, uh, but I think it was always in him. Uh, he just had to get to the place um, where he felt comfortable and confident. And Mark's the kind of guy that when he wants to do something, he practices behind the scenes and prepares. Uh, and, you know, I think he did what he had to do to get his confidence to the place where he owned it. Uh, and he sure did. Uh, and I'm and I'm proud of him and excited for him and happy for him uh, that he's doing exactly what he wants to do in every area of his life. And for you as a singer, how I mean, I'm listening to Higher Power. I'm listening to to tracks on this record. Um, I pulled up some stuff on YouTube of you doing some live stuff recently. Your 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 pipes sound exactly like they always were, which is uh, amazing because although you're certainly not old by any stretch, you've been at it for a long time. For you vocally, what's your regimen like to maintain, and what's it going to be like for you to dig into? Uh, the old Creed stuff again, is there, is there going to be, you know, some stuff you have to work on to do that? Or is that just going to come right back to you? Well, you know, I still sing those songs and have for years. And, and I think the key for me is, you know, sobriety suits me well and, and it suits my instrument. Well, uh, you know, my body is my instrument. So keeping that in the best condition that I can and, you know, not doing anything that, that affects my, my vocals in a negative way has really made me a better singer. Uh, you know, way better singer than I was, uh, you know, even back in the day when I was just a throat singer, you know, now I, 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 you know, have learned how to properly sing and I've, I've taken vocal lessons from some of the, the greatest teachers ever, you know, namely Seth Riggs, uh, and really learned proper technique and form. And, and so, you know, working on my craft and my instrument as a singer, um, has definitely benefited me, uh, and made me better, than I was uh, in my youth. Um, and one, and one thing too is, is, is with being healthy and, and trying to stay fit and, and uh, protect my instrument, it's really enabled me to even expand on my, me being a performer. Uh, and that's something else that I take pride in uh, is not just, you know, my vocal performance, but my physical delivery and my physical performance on stage uh, and really getting in the moment and being able to deliver the vocals how I need to deliver them, uh, but also deliver them in the context physically uh, that matches the emotion of the song. Um, and so, you know, there's more than just singing. There's also performing. And, and uh, I think just staying fit and healthy keeps that going. And, you know, and for me also, you know, really finally stepping into something that, that I've always done behind the scenes but never really – um, you know, slap my name on it in terms of, you know, producing um, and arranging uh, and, and, and finally claiming that aspect uh, of my creative uh, ability has been something that 
you know, I really got to put forth on this record. Uh, something that I've done behind the scenes on all the records. Uh, but this one, you know, I finally owned it. Uh, and something that I'm definitely looking forward to to, to getting into more uh, in the future because it's something that I love to do. Uh, I love the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love the studio stuff. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, working with other artists and helping them develop and, and, uh, and make records. Yeah, and you co-produced the new record, Higher Power, that's coming out with Marty Fredrickson, who's obviously a super talent as well, and uh, Scott Stevens, and who Scott you had Steve. mentioned before. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's that's awesome. You know, and last thing, Scott, and I'll let you go on this. You know, you you talked about how important music was to you and how much it helped you as a kid and how therapeutic it was for you. And I think many people who love music and dedicated their their life to it, whether it's what I do on the other side of it or what you do as a performer, whatever the case may be, they feel the same way. And they all have those records, those singers, those people that they go back to, those records that are like a warm blanket that they, they listen to when they, they, you know, when they want to, you know, go back and they need to just escape for a little bit. So for you growing up as a kid, what were those singers? What were those records? What were those bands that you still call on now when you want to escape and listen to stuff that isn't your own music? Like what, what's the, what's the stuff that you still love and listen to that held up for you from when you were a kid? Well, if, if, if we're talking about records that, that I hold on to from a kid, it, I mean, U2 Joshua Tree has been a mainstay. Um, it's, it's a record that, you know, comforted me and was like a warm blanket, like you said, during some, you know, really tough times uh, as a kid. I don't think I took that cassette out of my cassette player in my car or in my house uh, for like three years in my teens. Hmm. Um, you know, Def Leppard Pyromania. Uh, was a record that I got into when I was, you know, nine, ten, eleven years old, uh, and that that record really set the tone and inspired me to want to be in a rock band. Uh, you know, so I got to credit Def Leppard uh, for planting that seed in me as a little boy uh, to want to be, you know, and do what I do today. Uh, mm. And you know, the Doors were a tremendous influence on me. Uh, I, and I always say this, the, loving the Doors and being a fan of Jim Morrison and the band was a double-edged sword uh, as a young person because, the, you know, it definitely helped, you know, along with how Bono approached lyrics, you know, the way that, that Jim Morrison approached lyrics in terms of them being able to stand on their own as a piece of art, uh, even outside of music, uh, you know, that was something that I took away from the Doors. Uh, but I also took away um, in my youth that that rock and roll lifestyle, uh, which I found out, uh, you know, didn't suit me well. Uh, and so I'm here today, lucky to be alive uh, and blessed for all this opportunity that's that's in front of me. So we got to be careful when we're in our youth, uh, you know, what we take away uh, from the artists that we love. Yeah. But those no are the, but those are the those are the three bands that had the, the biggest impact on me. Now, as a vocalist. Uh, in my younger years, um, it was actually gospel music that had mm. uh, the biggest impact in me. I think a band, and I know uh, a group called Take Six, uh, literally cha trained me every day. Uh, when I was in the shower, I would sing to their, one of their first records and learn all the different vocal parts uh, in their group. 
uh, and began training my voice uh, on that record, uh, even voice to men uh, when I was younger. Uh, I would sing their records from top to bottom. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was just training my voice uh, and expanding my range and, and my vocal capabilities. Uh, so although I didn't go in that genre, uh, those those artists had big uh, a big impact on on me as a vocalist. Yeah, a lot of diversity there. Really interesting. Listen, man, um, I can't thank you enough for the time and congratulations on the new record. Again, Higher Power is out. Everybody can get it on March 15th. You can pre-order it now. The fourth solo album from Scott Stapp. All you got to do is go to his site or the Creed outlets. You'll see a ton of Creed dates coming up. Their first shows in about 10 years. And of course, it all starts on the two Summer of 99 cruises that Creed headlines starting in April. Both of those are sold out. And um, I'm psyched, man. I can't wait to see you. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on the ship. And I can't wait to see you uh, in April on the boat. I know. I know, man. Looking forward to it. We're sailing away. (laughs) <laughs> listen man best to you and your family you know where to get me if you need anything and good luck with the record and uh i'll see you on the ship hey thank you brother touch base soon all right take care scott all right you too well scott see, uh, certainly sounds like he's in a good place this at this time in his life which is great to hear uh creed getting ready to start up and uh, really uh, some big interest in big ticket sales for that going on and I'm excited to be on board both of their cruises as a host. Looking forward to that coming up very, very soon as well. Check out Scott's new album coming soon. A couple singles out there already. Again, the album is called Higher Power. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Much appreciated. Again, follow on social media at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the, is the uh, website. And be sure to listen each and every day live, 3 to 5 Eastern, Faction Talk. Sirius XM channel 103 or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Listen to Trunk Nation. You'll get the full picture. Instead of just a little taste, you'll get the full picture of what I do. And you can engage with me because the show is live. Again, you can listen on the app if the hours don't work for you for the live broadcast. See you next week for another podcast. Hopefully catch you on the radio each and every day. Have a good week, everybody.